0: Welcome back to Thinking Man Business Labs for another podcast. Today, we have the founder of Mental Health Movement Australia and also an NRL legend in his own right. One of the good guys and um, one of the guys that's doing a great thing for mental health in Australia, especially during these really, really tough times. <clears throat> welcome, um, you know, a, a special man, uh, Dan Hunt. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, mate.
1: Thanks very much. What about for an intro? But um, now nah, look, we've been trying to tee this up for some time now. But really looking forward to uh, having a bit of chat and uh, and seeing where it goes. I, I do enjoy doing these things. So thank you for the opportunity and, and well done everything that, that you do as well.
0: Yeah, appreciate. I appreciate that. So I guess I guess the first question is like one of my one of my tough things has obviously been being hazard and, and working from home and not, not being able to see my clients face to face because I've got a lot of clients clients in queensland and all that, all that sort of stuff how's that affected how's that affected your business and 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 not being able to reach as many <clears throat> people as you
1: probably like yeah look it, it's definitely like i remember back i think we did our last uh we, we did a lot of work over sort of interstate wa south australia queensland uh, northern territory and it was kind of overnight the, like well the world shut down really yeah. and then we had yeah it was at least twelve months worth of our booked in work cancelled. Uh, obviously, companies are working under different tarps and and COVID restrictions and things like that. So it, it was quite scary. Uh, I do remember bringing the team in and we, we had a meeting and um, sort of said like this is the the lay of the land. And, and I've got a, a bit of a business coach mentor. He's he's our uh, CFO as well at M H M. And I remember having the conversation with him and my wife who I co founded it with. And it was the decision was you can either put your business on hold and then obviously the the job keeper and things like that. And and then pick it back up when the world opens back up again. Uh, Or he said, if you believe in what you're doing and your service and your product, he said, double down on it. Um, So it it was an easy decision for my wife and I, and uh, we we did exactly that. And then it was more about how do we adapt? How do we, what do we need to develop? What do we need to put in place? What do we need to learn? Who do we need to get in? to be able to adapt, to continue doing what we're doing just in a different way. And look, in a way, business wise, um, it's probably, it's helped us develop as a company, um, but it's also helped us deliver in a different way because people have kind of been not, well, they have been forced to embrace technology. Um and when you talk about scalability, uh, when you talk about cost effectiveness, when you talk about trying to provide best practice support infrastructure in the mental health space, technology helps work through a lot of the barriers uh like around access, around cost, around um the the awareness, education, the training, the resources. So it kind of uh the way in which we did adapt, um, it's it worked out really well. And it was scary there. There was a good sort of three to four months that we didn't have one workshop, one webinar, nothing. Uh, and then we we just wrote it out and we had belief in ourselves, in our team, in what we're doing, in our mission, vision and values. Um, and we're now sort of, we're, we're coming out the other end. We're, we're reaping the rewards um, as a business, but that's, that's that part of it. We're reaping the rewards with individuals, families, friendships, workplaces, communities that are now... In the time when they need it, they're still getting it. Yeah, sure. And it's not like, oh, we can't do that because of COVID. Well, no, we can do that because of COVID.
0: Yeah, and um, I guess one of the things that I've been teaching for the last five or six years is about webinars. And and my business has, has, has gone um, you know, sort of threefold because of that, because people are really starting to adapt and understand that webinars are really a great way to communicate. Communicate with people, and you can have courses, and, and they can access it at any time, and they can do it within their own free time. So it's it's wonderful that you've been able to adapt to adapt with that with the webinar side of um side of things. How how's that been in relation to people, um, <coughs> taking it on and, and using it and, and, and using it for their businesses and stuff like that? Because they can pass it on to their staff quite easily to to be able to to it, right.
1: Yeah. And it's cause we obviously we deliver our mental health workplace blueprint. So it's four stages, awareness, education, training, and resources. And for our stage one uh, awareness workshop, that's where our facilitator shares their personal story, lived experience. And then we introduce them some of our tangible keys and you can see one of them behind me here, which is our mental health continuum uh, with those ones that we've had people, we've had two 50, 300 people on a webinar, um, which has been fantastic. Uh, and unless you're at like a big event or a keynote, you don't really get that opportunity to speak to that many people. But when it comes back to our education and training workshops and courses, like our mental health first aid, mental health response, and then our stage two education workshops, we've, we've, uh, we, we, only, we don't need more than 25 people on that, that, that workshop webinar because uh, what you find is it's, we are still the interaction, the engagement is paramount. Um, And once you connect and build that power of story in these workshops, you actually unpack things. And, and what we've found for some reason, the screen is like a bit of a protective factor for people where you have the smaller groups, you've, you've, you've laid the foundation and built the rapport and the trust. They're actually opening up more and you've got the duality of it where you can have them talking uh, through the, the visual nature of the webinar, but you can also, we have someone moderating on the chat box and you can really unpack things uh, a, a lot. And we're seeing, it, we're just as engaged and interactive in the ratings and everything we're getting from our evaluations and our audits. They're just as, if, if not, uh, yeah, it's just, just as promising and, and just as good feedback and everything from our webinars as, as our face-to-face workshops.
0: Yeah.
1: Obviously, if you have the choice, you, you take the, the workshop, face-to-face but as a company you don't have to pay travel costs you don't have to pay any of those things it's it it is cost cost effective and look i I prefer the face-to-face but i i still enjoy doing the webinars and you're still connecting with people It's, it's different but it's it's just you're getting the same or similar outcomes just in a different way and that's what resilience and adaption is all about
0: and 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 for everyone that's listening that that are business owners and stuff like that that are really struggling and I know you guys a lot of a lot of them. Um, you guys are struggling with mental health, whether you um, admit it or not, whether you're talking to people or not. And I encourage you guys to talk to um, you know people within your family or, or reach out to, to to the different forums that are available to everybody. Um, but you're not stuck in this environment. There's options, and there's there's, there's wonderful options that we can all use. And um, I'm sure Dan, you've been able to to see that in the community where people have really started to struggle with COVID and all that sort of stuff. And um, what are some of the differences that you're seeing in, in, in people's mental health during this, this period?
1: Well, the, the thing about it, we at the mental health movement, we work on the whole continuum. So it's not just the crisis intervention or the reactive side of things. Um, it, it's also the early intervention and the proactive side of things. And probably one of the most fundamental uh, keys that we educate on uh, in our stage one is, some people still don't realize that they've got a mental health. Yep. A lot of people think mental health and mental illness are the same thing, but they're not. Yep. I can't put it any more simply. If you have a brain in your head, you have a mental health. Yep. And the better you look after your mental health, the better you look after yourself, the better you'll be able to cope, the better you'll be able to deal with what's going on in life. I've had people leave a workshop, can't shake my hand and say, thanks for letting me know I've got a mental health. It's like, well, fuck me. And I didn't I I didn't, I didn't give you a mental health. You've always had one.
0: Yeah. but how are you
1: supposed to look after something if you don't even know that you've got it where our mental health, it affects how we think, how we act and how we feel. Mm -hmm. So how I've seen, I guess, some differences in the, uh, in the community or in the work that we've been doing is people that usually manage their mental health pretty well. Okay. Uh, COVID's come in and it's added a whole nother layer of stress, anxiety, uncertainty, fear Mm -hmm. with, the contributing factors that we all go through on a day-to-day basis like relationships, finances, work, stress, fatigue, burnout, physical illness, loss, grief, all those contributing factors that we go through on a day-to-day basis, it's got a whole nother layer of COVID added onto it. So someone that might usually manage their mental health really well, they might have slid down this continuum and might be going through a bit of a mental health struggle and they've never experienced it before. And to be honest with you, we haven't been taught how to deal with this. We're still, it's a new landscape but we're using an old map. Yeah. We're still using the get on with it, get over it, harden up mentality, got an issue, grab a tissue. Yeah. And I tried that in my own person story where that doesn't work. So <clears throat> there's definitely a lot more people out there struggling. Um, we just had the uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics release the, the latest side statistics, uh, which, are, which has increased, which is, uh, which is heartbreaking and individuals within the community are, are not coping. And, When individuals get to the point of taking or attempting to take their own life, it's not necessarily that they don't want to be here or that they want to hurt the people around them. It's that they're in that much pain that they want it to end. And that's the only option that they see. So an anti-suicide is helping people better cope and providing people hope. And the way in which you do that, you can't just put up a post on social media and like, that's great for the awareness. The challenge is getting the individual going through the struggle to the appropriate support, actions, professional help that they need to better manage what it is that they're going through. And the struggle at the moment is getting that person to that support because there's so many barriers in that way, like stigma, stereotype, judgment, lack of awareness and education, cost, uh, access, all these different things. So that's where it, it, there's got to be a, a conduit or a bit of a stepping stone process to the support where the awareness piece and the posts on social media and things like that's one element of a whole puzzle or jigsaw, so to speak. Um, And that's going to be ever evolving. And we learn as we go. And it does grow organically. That's why you have the best practice people with the the clinicians and the mental health professionals. But um, I, I do feel that society has woken up and we are, doing a lot. Like I look back when I was diagnosed with type two bipolar in 2010 and we weren't like this was non-existent. Where you look at it now, I think as a society we do need to give ourselves a pat on the back. Um, we are doing a lot, but we still there's a lot more still needs to be done. But um being up to date with a lot of the grants that are going out there like the Beyond Blues, the Black Dog Institutes, the Lifelines, um, the Head the Kids Helpline, all these big organizations, they are doing a very good job. Um so I think we we are very much on the right track um so uh, and 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 look we 're loving what what we 're doing because we 're not the whole jigsaw. Mm-hmm. We provide our pieces to the big puzzle and yeah, sure. um, we are enjoying doing that a, a, as well
0: and that's and that 's wonderful that you can acknowledge that that you 're one piece, but I think it 's really important um, and sometimes you know people look at it as the title of what you do mental health movement but the health part is something that people really need to understand it's just like going to the gym but you're just going to the gym for your for your brain to be able to whether it's meditation whether it's it's going for a walk in the beach, whether it's going for a swim in the salt water um, whether it's getting enough vitamin d in the sun whatever whatever helps you with that mental health uh, um and like you said everybody everybody has it i've had my big struggles with with mental health over the past, being a business person and making that transition from corporate life to um, working for myself, and that was always a real big struggle, struggle for me. So um, you know, I, I I went through a really, really, really tough time. Um, but until I actually acknowledged the fact that there was something um, up with me, I couldn't I couldn't move on. And 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 now now that I've moved on, I'm stronger than ever. I know when I'm down. I know what I know what I need to do when I'm down. I know who to reach out to. Um, I know who my support network is. And then I know who the professionals are that I need to engage in um, that have been with me for the last 10 or 15 years that they know my history as well. So um, that whole awareness that you guys are doing around, around health is very preventative in the first place, but also um, it also acknowledges to people to know where to go when they, when, when they need that professionalism. Is that, is that a fair enough assessment?
1: Yeah. And, and mate, thanks for sharing the, the, your struggles there. That's, that's brilliant. there's no, and, and I love what you said there, it's its not about admitting it, it's about acknowledging yeah. because when you admit something, it's like you've done something wrong and people that go through mental health struggles, mental ill health or that live or manage with mental illness there's nothing wrong, so they don't need to admit anything, yeah. they do need to acknowledge exactly as you said, how, how you're feeling, what it is that's actually affecting you and then be proactive with your support networks your coping strategies, your self care, but the thing about it is there's no finish line to that. I used to think after I was diagnosed that I had to get all my shit back together and back to being perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. Yeah, Because we all have a mental health, we're all going to go through mental health struggles at different points in time. So it's about putting kind of that mental health resilience kit bag that you can go to with your coping strategies, yourself, your support networks, your professional support, if it's medication, like whatever it is for you. but For a lot of, we don't know what our recipe is. We don't even know what the ingredients to our recipe are, um, let alone cooking it and and seeing how it turns out. So I love a metaphor, as you can probably tell, but that's that's where it's at. But the thing around what you're saying there, your coping strategies, they're not necessarily going to fix or solve all your problems. But what they are going to do is they're going to make you feel better and be a better version of yourself to take on those problems or those those struggle, and that's the beauty of it. Like I've been to the depths of struggles, and the little things that you place for yourself—the one percenters, the two percenters, the five percenters—they add up. And if you can be doing two or three or four good things a week, like you're going to be a twenty, thirty percent better version of yourself, and then that's going to accumulate. That's going to compound. And you, yourself, you've become stronger. You've become more resilient. I'm sure you still have your shit days, your bad days, your struggles. But you're prepared and you know how to deal with it and manage it. And you can see the smile on your face because there's nothing more powerful than knowing how to better manage yourself. And then the next step of that is being able to help someone else better manage themselves. That's what I believe two of the the biggest or best things you can have or do in life.
0: Yeah. And for me, I mean, it's it's a really big no-no to sort of admit something like this when I'm in the coaching space and I'm mentoring people and doing all that sort of stuff. But I, but I'm also the same believer that people know that I'm real and that I um, accept these things as my own, and it really attracts the right people to me as a, as a business. And it's the same thing as you, as a as a business owner. It's like in the mental health movement, and you you've, you've been diagnosed with type two um, bipolar, but you've also admitted that. So people can 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 really sort of gravitate to that because it's like they're dealing with somebody that's been through it, that knows what you've been through and, and, and they, I mean, everybody's case is different. So it's not as if, it's not as if it's a broken arm where everybody, you know, they put on a bit of plaster and it's gonna be the same outcome. Your case is different to mine, different to the next, different to the next. So it's not as if, like you said, it's one recipe of, of, salt, of, of you know, spag ball for everybody and it's exactly the same, everyone's gonna get the same thing. So, yeah. you know, um, but at the end of the day, people feel a lot more relaxed really, talking to somebody who's been through it.
1: Yeah. And and that's exactly right. Like we asked the Lord, like uh, uh, in our workshops, what does resilience mean to you? And I had one gentleman one day say resilience is about not struggling. And I, I like, I, I didn't say that's incorrect, but like I got him to see in a different way that part of being resilient is struggling because that's where we learn. That's where we grow. That's where we evolve. Like, and, and, and that's how we become better. Like, you look at kids growing up. like They've got to fall over and, and graze their knees. They've got to make mistakes. They've got to lose. They've got to not get what they want. They've got to feel that, uh, I guess, I won't say pain, but they've got to feel the the, the struggle. Yeah, right. Our jobs as parents is to, uh, I guess, put the harm minimization around that, that, you, that they don't go too far, but they still get enough that they need to build that resilience. And you look at your physical health. What 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 is a vaccine? A vaccine helps you build up an immunity to something, and that's kind of what life, change, challenge, and adversity does. It helps you build up an immunity to to going through struggles, and I I, I believe that. Like I, I think I don't sit here and go, oh shit, what if I wake up and I'm struggling or I, I become suicidal or I'm 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 in the darkest place that I was in 2010. I'm not afraid of that anymore, like because I know how to manage it. I know how to Support and I've got the right people and the right things around me. And that's what we want to try and help as many people in Australia and, and 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 beyond any human being to be able to better do that. Because humans are more resilient. Ashton Sims says it, you're more resilient than what you think you are.
0: Yeah. right. Like,
1: we are, but sometimes we put ourselves in comfort zones and we're not built for comfort zones. We're built to struggle. We're built to walk. If you've have you ever read the book Sapiens? Like we're built to walk thirty or forty kilometers a day and hunt and and all these things. That's what the human body was built. We're not built just to sit around and do nothing all day.
0: Exactly right, exactly right. And it's one of those um those things that's um that's sort of amazing amazing to hear that you know like the toughness that we get out of um going through these going through these things. It, it builds us up to be such strong individuals. And then when when people talk to us, they think that we're almost these. Uh, unbeatable but we still have like like you said you might wake up one morning and you have an hour and you feel like absolute shit you know but you know that it's just that hour get through that hour go get your vitamin D do what you've got to do do your morning routine whether it's a cold shower or or have a nice breakfast or whatever it is um and you know once you get through it once you get through that hour you're going to be sweet for the rest of the day but it's you know when when you're in those doldrums getting through that hour is almost the hardest thing that you've got to do for that day
1: and when you look at it, the, the continuum of mental health, there, there's people that at all different ends of the continuum and look at someone that's got, or that, that manages mental illness, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We look at the world that we live in, which is now a world of comparison. You look at social media, you look at expectations, whether it's from ourselves, our family, our friends, our work, our communities. We're continuously seeing what we should be doing, who we should be mm-hmm. and, and all, what we should have where if you're someone managing a mental illness, you might not be able to go and run a marathon or you might not be able to go and become an entrepreneur. You can 100% you can, but the times when you're in those dark struggles, sometimes just getting up and having a shower and brushing your teeth is a win for the day. And that's where the comparison can sometimes be the thief of joy. And we, we need to understand that where we are with our mental health will depend on what we put in place for ourselves. Yeah. Because if you're struggling and in the depth of struggle, trying to get yourself to go and run a marathon, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. So you might just be, I'm going to walk to the letterbox and back today. Or I'm going to walk around the block today. And then you build yourself from there. But again, we haven't been taught this stuff.
0: And what do you, what do you, what do you have to say to those to those sort of people? Like, Because at the end of the day, one of those things, say, say you're down and you're having, a, you're having a shitty day, you're staying in bed and you're not going to get out of bed, right? Just people do that, right? And... The first thing they go through is their phone and the first thing they pick on is facebook or instagram it's going to drag them down even more because people post what they want to post people post their happy times they don't post stuff that we're talking about right now which i'm going to post you know what i mean so um to me i i would say you know put away your phone or watch something positive or or, or or watch something that that's 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 a, that's a little bit sort of flaky that's just a bit of fun do you know what i mean like if you, if you want if you wanted to do that because Sometimes I think that can have a negative negative impact on you. Watching watching everybody live these happy lives when a lot of the times it's probably not true. If you dig deep, people- well,
1: it's not realistic? Yeah, and that's the the, the thing. I for someone that, that's been in there, but having a bad day or a bad couple of days. You don't have to have your shit together all the time or be perfect all the time. Or um, like you're allowed to. You sometimes you're allowed to just be. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay, but you can't, it's got to be get to a point though, where, when am I going to start? I've got to, I've got to start putting some things in place for myself. They, they talk about the three week mark. the cl- clinical professionals. If you've noticed that you're not your usual self mm-hmm. and it's been going on for a longer period of three weeks, that's the indicator. It's time to start to make some changes or it's time to seek that professional clinical support because you don't have to spend that long there. I spent 22 years here in the red and the orange because I just had no idea. So you are allowed to feel shit. You're allowed to have the bad day, the bad week, the bad couple of weeks, but you've got to then take that proactive approach. And if you can't do that on your own, that's where we, fellow workers, the clinical professional supports, managing yourself, you do not have to do on your own. A problem shared is a problem. Support is not a weakness. Yeah. It just means you want to be doing better than what you are.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so, that's so true. What are you, What are your thoughts around? Um, obviously, we've got a real problem in Australia here with the, um, you know, with, with with the absolute. You know, and and, and I'm not going to discount the fact that, that that women have problems with with mental health because I'm sure they do. But the fact that you know four in one, you know, you know four in one, um, suicides are by men. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's a, it's a struggle. Even as advocates, as most of us as advocates, it's a real, real difficult thing to understand. And I talk to my friends and they know that I'm really open about it. So they come to me and well, many people that come to me to talk to me uh, about it, but not, not, not everybody's got that. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes they don't know how to open up unless somebody says the first word. So I'm, I'm always a sort of friend that says, tell me, tell me what's up, you don't sound, you don't sound right. Just Tell me honestly, what's up, you know? Um, because they're not the ones that are going to open up to me. What do you say to people that are sitting there now in COVID or before COVID or whatever it is that are saying, "I need shit, I need help," but I don't know, I don't know who- you don't know where to start. Yeah. To start.
1: So just to to go back onto your your, your original point around um, like mental illness, female suicide, things like that. So in 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 a like the statistics tell us and research tells us that mental illness is more common among females, mm-hmm. but help seeking behaviors is also more common. So they're more likely to reach out, seek support and things like that. And a lot of that comes back to the genetics uh, and and the biology, the difference between male and female and things like that. Um, But then you look at, as you said, there's now nine suicides and men account for 76% of all suicides. Mm -hmm. But there's another interesting uh, fact or or around statistics um, that, approximately 87% of individuals at the time of an attempt or at the time of dying by suicide, 87% of those individuals have either a diagnosed or an undiagnosed mental illness. Mm. But if mental illness is more common among females, why isn't it 76% of females accounting for those statistics? Because it comes back to the help seeking behaviors. Mm. They're more likely to seek support. And there's obviously another range of different things around means and, and access and those different things that you take into consideration. But as a general rule of thumb, females are more likely to talk about it. They're better communicators. And we need, as males, need to take a leaf out of that book. But a lot of that comes back to the way masculinity has been embedded into us from such a young age that when you, you, you struggle or you fall over, get up, mate. You'll be right. I, I, my wife checked me on it the other week. Like to my son, like come on, mate, you'll be all right. Big boys don't cry. Like yeah. well, no, big boys and little boys cry, and it's okay. Yeah. But do, do you know what I mean? It's just embedded into us. So, but the funny thing is, like we do a, a lot of travel, and we'll go to a, a restaurant, and and we'll just be having a, a dinner or or, or or whatever it is, and you'd be amazed at listening, and not that I'm eavesdropping, but you hear other people's conversations, yeah. and a lot of people I'm noticing are starting to talk amongst themselves about what's been happening the struggles or such and such has been struggling. What should we do? I don't know how to support them and things like that. So it it is starting to change. But to your, to your last question, what do you say to someone that knows that they're going through a bit of a struggle, but doesn't know what to do. So if you're someone right now, that's watching this, that is going through a bit of a struggle, I just want you to know that that's okay. It doesn't mean you're not a man, a woman, a human being. It doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you're a human being. That's, that's, that's means. Um, but, the, the, what we recommend is, as our slogan says, we need to get started in the conversation. We've got to check in with ourselves, but check in with the people around you that you trust, that's non-judgmental, that's not going to throw it back in your face, that's not going to dismiss it, that's going to be there to support. Start that conversation with them. Open up with them. Talk about what's going on and let them know that I, I need some support, but I just don't know what to do. And then look, you can jump on our website. There's so many good resources on there. You jump on the Black Dog Institute, Beyond Blue, all these uh, websites that provide the, the, the awesome information. But your first port of call, if you work for a company that has an EAP, which is an employee assistance program, reach out to your company EAP. That's free for you and your immediate family. If you don't have an EAP, you can go and see your GP. And what you get is what they call a Medicare mental health care plan. Now in COVID, you get 20 subsidized sessions with a, a psychologist or a counselor in any calendar year. That is probably your first port of call if you're someone that's struggling, is reaching out to a family member, a friend, a fellow worker, and then if you getting in to see that, that professional clinical support, uh, and, and that, that will make a, a world of difference for yourself. The other key with that is if the first person you reach out to doesn't work out, or that first clinical professional you don't have the connection with, please don't give up, okay? go and get a second opinion, find another one. And it happened to me. It took me my first one, no chance, I wasn't going back. But I didn't taint every single other support with the same brush. Yeah. Um, And then just don't put so much expectation on yourself and pressure. No, it's okay to struggle. Just start, Keep simplify things. Less is more, just just do something. Doing something is better than doing nothing. So it might be going for that walk. It might be just writing some things down. It might be talking to a support network. it might be exercise. It might be taking your dog for a walk. Uh, it might be just going to have a shower and brush your teeth. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what it is. As long as you're doing something that makes you feel better, okay, that's what we do. And if you don't mind me, I'll, I'll give you one of our, um, one of our self-care uh, tools that we provide. And you're, you're sweet for me to do that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so our psychologist, Cecilia Gilder, she did a PhD on coping strategies and their positive impacts on mental health. So, she developed an acronym called PEARLS. So, we call it Get Back to Doing Your PEARLS. So, obviously, an acronym. The P stands for pleasure. Mm-hmm. So, doing things you find pleasure in, whatever that is, okay, do that more often than not. The E is for exercise. Exercise is scientifically proven to be just as, if not more effective than some uh, antidepressant medications. It doesn't have to be pumping iron, just getting the heart rate up, getting the body moving. Uh, the A is for achievement. So, Doing things that we find achievement in. It might be mowing the lawns. It might be making your bed. It might be studying. It might be doing a report, getting up to date on your emails. It might be teaching your kids how to ride a bike. It might be doing a painting. It might be cooking a meal for someone. Mm -hmm. Human beings need that sense of achievement. Um, So, yeah, and then the R is relaxation. Finding things that that we, we become relaxed in that puts us in the present not worrying about the past or stressing about the future that puts us in the present. So that could be going for a drive. It could be meditation. It could be mindfulness. It could be yoga. It could be swimming. Okay. What, what, breathing, whatever it may be. Um, then, then we have uh, the L, which is laughter. Yeah. They say laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. When you're actually having a good belly laugh. What else do think about nothing and the serotonin oxygen the dopamine the good chemicals are are coming out Uh, and then the last one is social connection
0: yeah
1: which is of change for a lot of us you know with family or friends we haven't been able to do that but we're doing it right now over technology but connecting with people we are uh we're a community being we need to connect with other human beings that that's that's just that's just the biology of us Mm -hmm. but the thing about it is if we can hit those pearls, one, two, three of them every day, every couple of days, we're going to be better versions of ourselves. But the key with the pearls is find something where you're kind of hitting all of them. And I'll give you an example. There's a, an older gentleman, he's 60, no, he's 77 years old. And we just become part, it's Shell Harbor Dolphins where we live. So yep. it's an all year round swimming in the ocean, even yep. when it's 13 degrees in the middle of winter. <laughs> but he, he goes down there every single day and he swims 20 laps but he's in the vitamin D, so he's getting sun. He's connecting with people, chatting to the people in the community. He's getting his exercise, sense of achievement. 77 years old, doing 20 laps in 13-degree water. That's an achievement for me. He has a laugh with people, and, and he finds pleasure. He's now connected with us younger blokes, where he reckons we've put a bit of lead back in his pencil. Um, and, 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 he's, and he's loving it. But he's hitting his pearls in the one activity. Yeah, that's That's the trick to it. But,
0: yeah. Yeah, so... Guys, obviously there's a bit of gold there from, from from Dan, and if you need to listen to this back a couple of times to get things to write things down, to, please I encourage you all to do it because some of the stuff that um, um, Dan's saying is, is 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 some of the stuff that um, you know we all need to we all need to learn, and especially going back to when he said when when you first try to find somebody or you first try to talk to somebody or you first try to find. Um, Somebody in the professional industry that you might get a little bit disengaged because you don't you don't get that connection straight away. It's really important not to lose sight of the fact that you will find somebody. It took me three or four times to find the person that I really connected with, and and, and that helped me through my through my struggles. So um, you know we have a responsibility to ourselves to try and do that to find the right person that knows us or that we feel comfortable with, because we're not going to feel comfortable with the first person that that we talk to a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. well said, well you know, said. And um, so then, it, 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 it'd be um, remiss of me not to talk a little bit about um, you know, your NRL career and, and, how you <laughs> man- and how you managed this during being an absolute professional because you would have been struggling with it back then. How did you manage that whilst being such a high level professional at doing what you did at that same time?
1: Uh, originally, it was a battle because I had, I, I wasn't diagnosed, uh, yeah. and I had no understanding or idea. I wasn't educated. I wasn't aware. So it was a bit like a roller coaster, uh, and I'd I'd be up, I'd be down, I'd be up, and I'd be down. Obviously, the nature of of a mood disorder is exactly that. Uh, but me then pushing everyone away, wearing the mask, treating people like shit, treating myself like shit. I turned to self medication to deal with it. Yeah. Um, but then after obviously the diagnosis, hitting rock bottom. Getting the support that I needed, getting uh, rehabilitated, um, learning how to better manage myself—it it, it definitely, like, it didn't fix everything straight away, but I, I learned to better manage it. And uh, Wayne Bennett was a big, um, a big support in that, and something that he taught me before he come, I used to get it, it, whether you got a, a mental illness or not, playing at the top level is—it's not easy—and I used to get so nervous to the point where I'd spew. Like, every single game, I'd be convincing myself I'm not going to be able to play. I'm shit. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Yeah. I'm soft. All these different things. And by the time I'd get out on the field, I was burnt out, like, mentally and, and physically exhausted. And Wayne seen this in one of the trial matches, and he pulled me aside, and he said, mate, what the f- What's going on with you? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you're the fittest out of all the forwards, and you get on the field, and you, you, you're tired. And then I started to explain to him some of the, the head noise and the thoughts and the worry and the anxiety and stuff. And he, he, he taught, taught me something. He calls it the flags. So what that is, it's focusing on what you do when you're at your best. Yeah. So for me, it was stripping it right back. So when the head noise and the worry and all that started, he just goes, turn to your flags. So my flags in attack, it was running as hard as I could every carry. And in defense was getting off the line quick. So whenever all the stress and worry... I just go back to those two flags. Yeah. And I played my best footy, I played city country, Australian Prime Ministers, like won a World Cup Challenge and, and, and had a pretty successful career considering how shit my body is. Yeah. But that transcends it to every other aspect of your life. What do you do when you're at your best? Yeah. Do you stay organized? Do you structure things? Do you self-care? Do you look after yourself? So instead of worrying about all this shit that's out of our control. Focus on what you do when you're at your best. And that helped me massively in managing my, uh, I guess, my mental health, myself, whilst being at the top level.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then, yeah, the other thing was just really being in touch, knowing when you're struggling and knowing what to put in place. Like, I need some time out. I'm not going on that team drink. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or, or things like that. And communicating with the key people around me, my coach, my teammates, my, my wife my mates my family so they knew where I was at as well and well, now like we're all open in the office about it but we notice when someone's a little bit off and yeah. we 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 leave them a little bit but then we check in have yeah. a cup of tea how are you traveling you're all good Do you need anything from me how are you so that really helped but you can't get help if you don't tell anyone yeah. you can't you know what i mean yeah so that that was another really key aspect that that helped myself um, but look The back end of my career was just riddled with injury. After I did my Achilles, I had another eight surgeries. Um, Like I played more games in my first four years than I did in my last six. So Mm -hmm. it was just, it was really tough. It was mentally draining. And in the end to have my career taken away at 28 wasn't exactly ideal, Mm -hmm. but um, someone asked me in a workshop the other week, or the other month, they said, would you have still missed the grand? Oh, sorry, would you have played in the grand final in 2010, which I missed through injury, um, but not be doing what you're doing now? And I'd miss that grand final every day of the week, yeah. even watching it last night and seeing the players there that didn't necessarily take the field. I understand what that's like, but I had no animosity, no, I wasn't upset or anything. I was at peace with it, where like I knew I was part of the team. But those struggles that you go through, even though you don't know it at that point in time, it will always lead to something better
0: yeah that's so true and i think to to all to all of this i think it's important to remember that some of these things that happen to us that we think at the mo- at that time are such a negative thing on our lives that they build us and they make us so much stronger for the next challenge and the challenge after that and the challenge after that they they, they build this resilience like you've talked about in the past that that that, that you you can't money can't money can't buy that because you just get stronger and stronger and stronger from it. And it's hard for me to say to you if you're going for it right now um, when you're in the middle of it, two or three years later, you're going to look back and you're going to say, shit, that was so good for me to happen to me, you
1: know? Look, and coming from someone I've hit rock bottom, I've been heavily medicated. I've been addicted to drugs and alcohol and some of the head spaces and the places I've been in, I never thought I was going to come out the other side, but I always did. Yes. The thing about it is it will always pass. But the thing about it is when you are in it, just don't do it on your own because you don't have to. And exactly that. Hindsight is one of the most beautiful things that, that we can use because we see. But you can't put an old head on young shoulders. And you see younger, the younger generation, want, sometimes time is the best healer, but when we're in pain, we want it to end. So you, you don't have to take all that pain on your own. A problem shared is a problem halved. Yes, of course. Of
0: course. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that um, – I think a lot of people can relate to, and like you said before, guys, everyone continue these, whether they're pub conversations or whether they're conversations with, with friends and confidence or whatever it is. Talk to your mates, be comfortable by talking to your mates, and um, like you said, I'm I'm hearing a lot more of these really good conversations happening, whether it's at a pub or whether it's at a function or whether it's um, between family and stuff like that, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to see that we're that we're doing that, and and for you as an advocate, it must be it must be encouraging for you considering the work
1: that you do yeah it is and i think like what, what what you said even with your clients being open honest and authentic they you, you give them a space where it's okay to be not okay yeah. and then you're obviously working with them to be better in themselves and in their business mm-hmm. but because you opened and you you opened that door they then felt comfortable and it's no different to the the power of story or lived experience or even just having this emblem people come and go what's that oh look oh, i've been to, and, and they'll start to tell you their whole story and it's like i've never ever met this person but because you've got that it gave them that sense that it's okay yeah it won't be okay it's yeah. okay to talk about we as human beings as soon as you give someone the acknowledgement that it's okay fuck yeah. me and you won't shut them up Right? don't worry about starting conversations we'll be stopping conversations
0: i call it sometimes the hairdresser syndrome like people will tell the hairdresser more than that. It is back on yeah. you know like it's just amazing you know because they're comfortable with their hairdresser because they're just like they talk about anything. Whereas you might not tell your best mate because you think your best mate might judge it, but your best mate loves you. Don't forget that.
1: Correct. And uh, yeah, you're bang on me on what you say. There my wife owns two beauty salons and it's exactly that. You, some like she obviously doesn't tell me tell me things, but she just goes, It's amazing when you're touching someone's face or their hair or their nails, they'll yeah. open up and just just talk.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: But what do they them? They call them the accidental counsellor. Really?
0: Yeah, that's right. And then
1: they go home with a full cup, and then put it onto their husband or their wife.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, mate! It's been great, great talking to you. Um, We're nobody to get in touch with you. We're going to put all all the links underneath in in the in in the YouTube video, and um, obviously in in the podcast on iTunes and stuff like that. Is there anything that you wanted to leave um leave leave, leave us leave us with um today?
1: Yeah, look, I think, and, and anything that you've got to help promote it what you just send it through to us and, and we'll get that up on our social channels and things like that. But look, what I want to leave you with is if you've identified a change in yourself or a change in someone else in what they're usually like in what you're usually like, don't dismiss it as I got out of bed on the wrong side. Don't dismiss it as, oh, it's just a bad day. Mm-hmm. A change is worth a check in whether it's with yourself or someone else. So if you've identified that change, please get starting that conversation. Yes. Because it does not just change lives; it saves them as well. Because you don't necessarily know what someone's going through, they could be wearing the mask or putting on the brave face, and that conversation provides that environment for that person to know that it's okay to be not okay, and that someone actually gives a shit about them. So, a change is worth a check-in. I'll leave you with that.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Thank you very much, guys. I we really appreciate it, mate. We really appreciate your time, and I know you're busy and on All good. but um, really appreciate it and um this is, this is going to help a lot of people so thank you. All for- good
1: man. It's good to uh it's good to connect with good people doing good things.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you.
1: All, all good. Have a good one.
0: Yeah, see you mate.